You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast. Uh, it's been a minute. I am your host, Tyler Brook. Uh, joined alongside, unfortunately, Chris Burke is on the COVID list. I am joined by Acme Packing Company's Archon or Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Well, we're going to do things a little bit different since there was no Packers game, uh, you know, no red zone screw ups to talk about or anything like that. Uh, but obviously, you know, big matchup coming up on Saturday night against the San Francisco 49ers. So brought on Ryan to talk a little bit about that game. Uh, talked a little about this on the feed yesterday with justice, but I wanted to get Ryan's take on it too. Uh, just because what an absolutely wild game against the Dallas Cowboys, the 49ers had on Sunday. Um, that was Mike McCarthy at its peak, right? Yeah, I don't think Mike McCarthy has ever Mike McCarthy any harder than that. I mean, I'm the the two obvious pieces are the the trying to psych out the Niners defense by just having the punt unit on the field, which might be the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen an NFL team try and do. And mind you, we watched Mike McCarthy teams for over a decade, and and then obviously the the end of game thing, which um some people have said was a Kellen Moore decision, um, which confuses me because there was a timeout immediately before that play. And if the head coach is not involved, especially Mike McCarthy being, you know, traditionally an offensive coach. So it's not like, you know, the defensive coordinator is getting involved with the offensive decision-making, right. <laughs> but he's an offensive coach. If he's not involved in the discussion, as far as what the play is going to be, then what exactly do you do here? Is that and Kellen so Moore either, taking the fall? So, I mean, it's either McCarthy okayed the decision, which is moronic, or McCarthy was not involved in the decision, in which case, why are you employed? Like, what do you do if you're not involved in the key strategic decision-making? So I think, you know, McCarthy has had some really fantastic um, situation mismanagement before, but I think that one is actually the entire game is actually worse than um, anything he did in, in Green Bay. Even even it's worse than the 2014 championship game um, because it's just so like so clearly obviously dumb. Like his his field goals were at a, in you know it's an era where uh, coaches kicked more field goals they didn't go for it as often. Um, but the punting thing, like you're not. Great. The, the defense would love for you to snap the ball to the up back or, or the punter. And so um, I think that's about as hard as anyone's ever McCarthy'd. It, it's truly amazing, right? Like, you know, the field goal down 16 in the fourth quarter is one thing, right? But, you know, you're talking about some other really impressive moments. And like, I don't think Kyle Shanahan should kind of like have, you know, he's not innocent here either. Some of oh, his no. game. Yeah. Some of his game management at the end was absolutely flabbergasting as well um which i think leads us into you know we got to talk about this matchup right i think going into uh you know the wild card weekend packers fans are like all right of the possible opponents 
no one wants to play San Francisco, right? Like, you know, LA and Arizona bring them to Lambeau. They're more finesse teams. Um, heck, even the Eagles, which we, you know, all knew wasn't going to happen, but you could, you could root a little bit, but you know, the way San Francisco is built, everything like that, you know, it's, it's a team that runs the ball effectively and has good defense. Uh, watching that game, uh, I think should make a lot of, uh, Packers fans feel a little bit better about the potential scenario. Um, so what figured we do here, just go position by position. This leads into, why don't we just start at quarterback with none other than Jimmy freaking Garoppolo. Yeah, so Jimmy G is an interesting quarterback. Um, I'm not sure there's anyone exactly like him. He's like a caricature of all the other kind of <laughs> mediocre quarterbacks. Um, so he is prone to making some quite disastrous uh, life choices when under pressure. And On and off also, the field, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, uh, he also, um, unlike any other quarterback I, I've ever seen, can't throw outside the numbers like at all he just refuses to do so and now some of that is um the the way that Kyle Shanahan directs offense and because it was Matt Ryan had a similar um kind of spray chart if you will uh, of throws when he was working with him but Garoppolo is like that but even more so and obviously having George Kittle um you're going to throw more towards the middle of the field when you have him but um you know, he leads the league by a hilarious amount. Over half of his throws come to kind of the shorter intermediate parts of the field. And so if you muck things up in there, he, he turns into a pumpkin. Um, I was working with, uh, with Justice today for my, my preview post because um, I do the by the numbers preview post every week. And um, against, against cover one, which normally you're against cover one, you're going to have an add an extra zone defender to the middle of the field to really Usually muck a robber, up. right? Yeah, I'm going to run a, either robber or lurk with a linebacker. And Savage, has, Darnell Savage in particular, has actually been quite good in that robber role. Most of his, his splash plays in Green Bay have come, you know, coming down from a too high shell um, into the box. And uh, Jimmy G basically turns into an immobile Justin Fields uh, <laughs> against cover one. Um, very similar completion rates, similar success rates, um, almost identical sack rates. Um, so green Bay doesn't even have to get like super complicated, um, uh, when it comes to, to, to stopping the, not in passing attack. Um, obviously we'll get into the matchup problems that some of their weapons present, but from strictly a quarterback perspective, um, Jimmy G is definitely the benefit of a lot of handholding and a lot of, um, weapons that can boost his efficiency, not terribly dissimilar to what, what Goff got out of Los Angeles mm, um, yeah. for a few years. And we all kind of saw what happened um, when he went to, to Detroit. And Detroit's obviously maybe the worst situation you could go to weapon-wise in the league. But, um, you know, Jimmy G looks really good in the efficiency numbers, but um, that's why we have to incorporate analytics with, with um, you know, a quote-unquote eye test or, or some scouting pieces because we can see that he's definitely getting some hand-holding there. There's not a lot going for Jimmy G heading into this game either. You know, obviously not a great game against Dallas. Uh, you're playing in what is potentially below zero wind chill in Lambeau Field. Not only is he now dealing with, you know, the thumb injury he's been dealing with the past few weeks, uh, Kyle Shanahan revealed today as of recording that he's dealing with a shoulder sprain as well. Was it his throwing shoulder? I can't, I cannot remember. Yeah, yes. And it's, it's funny because Rich, Mitch Madrid, who's a um, APC contributor, is actually a Niners fan. And he was like, oh, how convenient that as soon as Jimmy started <laughs> to play bad, Jimmy had an injury. 
which apparently in, in Niners world is a pretty common thing that, oh, Jimmy's got a bad ankle as soon as Jimmy starts playing bad. And so there's some mild skepticism from Niners fans that he is ever quite as beaten up as he um, as the media push from the organization seems to lead on. They're going to say he got frostbite or something. If it just goes, <laughs> that really might actually <laughs> be the case though, if he doesn't dress properly. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we could hammer Garoppolo the whole, the whole pod, right. You know, it, that's as far as the comparing position by position Packers have uh, an absolutely insane edge at the quarterback position, you know, right. Soon to be back-to-back MVP versus a below average quarterback. Um, yep, but, I think that's the fairest way to sum it up. Yep. Moving on to running back. This is where it gets a little interesting because do we talk about Debo Samuel here? Do we want to talk about Debo? Wait for wide receiver. Ty Montgomery walked so that man could run. (laughs) I think, I think, well, that's just so unbelievably disrespectful to Debo Samuel. (laughs) Um, Would you say Ty Montgomery crawled so Percy Harvin could have walked further back in time so Debo Samuel could run? There we go. There we go. Um, Let's let's uh, in all seriousness, let's start with Elijah Mitchell. Obviously, throughout the course of the season, um, this running back unit has just gotten eviscerated, right? Uh, it's been so long. I'm Raheem Mostert. Who else am I trying to think of on that 49ers running back group that's gotten hurt? We're down to it. Essentially, Mitchell is a late round rookie out of Louisiana, and you know, he's playing surprisingly well. Um, do you think that's just more of a scheme fit, or do you think he's a legitimately good running back? I mean, if there's one thing that both Kyle and his father um, were able to do was turn basically anyone with a pulse and some half decent <laughs> athleticism into at least a, a serviceable running back. Um, I think that's part uh, of what we see with Elijah Mitchell, but um, you know, as far as what he does, you know, analytically, a running back is probably harder than any other position to fully suss out the value um, because so much of what you do is so reliant on on your teammates like even some of the stuff um the next gen stats has as far as you know yards uh, you know over expectation that's a little noisy i mean really what it tells you is when guys like jonathan taylor or nick chubb are amazing um it doesn't do as much to tell you um you know where the guys in the middle exactly lie also the next gen stats site is broken as hell right now um, everything for the regular season, like the totals just got washed away over the course of the week. So you can oh, look up individual great. weeks, but every, and the, the next gen, don't give me the, the NGS website effectively is useless. Um, but I don't think there's any reason to think that Mitchell is, is bad. Um, I think he's a perfectly fine, fine running back playing in a system that has made fine running backs into productive players. And that's completely fine for what San Francisco really needs. We get to have legitimate discourse about my favorite position in football. Um, put him in the running backs. Kyle Juszczyk, the like one and only remaining good fullback. I know there's Ricard and a couple other guys, but um, Alec Ingold. the man got paid also, which is just incredible for me. Again, my entire brand is that fullbacks are people too. I barely ever get to talk about them. I am curious what kind of mismatch he presents. You know, if this is a guy as a leading blocker and run game can, catch a couple passes uh do you see this as a potential mismatch or do you think his impact is pretty uh you know not super valuable well, i think it can be really really valuable in spots the big problem that that you check really all fullbacks face is it's hard to create a lot of volume to their their production yeah. like you know you're not gonna you're not going to build a, a modern offense around the fullback 
But what Juszczyk can do is kind of very similar to, um, in the Packers context, what like Randall Cobb has provided this year, where it's, you know, third down stuff, you know, mismatches. The big benefit that Juszczyk gets is he's been able to play um, in two organizations that are more progressive in terms of not necessarily like the Niners, I wouldn't say are a progressive organization, but Shanahan is quite creative yep. in his offensive design. And then Baltimore is generally a pretty progressive organization. So he's been able to play in two places that have really been able to fully utilize what he does. But I don't think there's any, any arguing that use check is a mismatch, not necessarily just like he's going to go out and, you know, destroy a linebacker on a route or he's going to, you know, bully a safety you know, on a route or something like that. It's not like, it's not like a mismatch, like a Kittle or like a Travis Kelsey can provide. But in terms of when you're accounting for personnel, I think that's where use check is, is the most complicated, um, you know, non Kittle matchup to really have. Um, because if you do go really heavy, you know, San Francisco has many weapons that can, can beat you, you know, in the passing game. Um, and if you go light there, you know, I don't think there's anything Kyle Shanahan is more than happy to do than to just smash, um, zone at your, at your dime package, which I mean, yep. we saw what happened, um, in 2019 when Mike Pedden um, forgot that he could change formations. Yeah. Changing up personnel and things. What a, what a concept. And speaking of that, gap that's... integrity, the C gap, <laughs> does it exist? That's the thing I'm actually very, very excited about is to watch and see how Joe Barry tries to counteract some of these things. I will say this for all the warts and, you know, people are talking about how his trending downward. I have noticed throughout the year, he does try and do specific things for the opponents he's facing. And that's something Mike Patton did not do. So it's something I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing how they handle use check. And then we can talk about the offensive line in a second, but let's just go ahead and get into tight ends while we're talking about it. How do you defend George Kittle? So these are two big mismatches that you need to keep an eye on. Um, is this a Devondre Campbell scenario? Do you see Savage? Savage worries me a little bit there just because of his tackling. Yeah, so um, a little spoiler from the preview. Um, Darnell Savage, as far as safeties, that played at least 300 snaps this year. So guys who were, for the whole season, full-time guys, um, has the second worst missed tackle rate in the NFL. Oh, wow. Now, that's the thing is, is that sounds a lot worse than it is. Uh, the tackle miss tackle stuff is very noisy. We're talking, you know, if he misses one fewer tackle, he drops down pretty substantially. Okay. Um, and Green Bay overall has been a phenomenal tackling team this year. It's yeah. the biggest change actually this Super season weird. between prior it's, seasons. It's very weird. I think weird. it's mostly just Devondre Campbell just doesn't, yeah. when Devondre Campbell isn't immediately off the COVID list, he just doesn't miss tackles ever. Yeah. He just never misses tackles. And we saw in the Lions game when he didn't play, you know, uh, Burks and Barnes missing tackles. And it was like we were we were playing the the Blake Martinez greatest hits album. Um, but, you know, Kittle is the biggest problem because uh, – the Packers don't have a matchup guy that's really designed for that. Devondre has the the size, and he's he's a he's a pretty good athlete. He's not a George Kittle um, level athlete, though. And honestly, I'm not sure Green Bay wants to put Devondre Campbell in that spot. I mean, they haven't really done that all year. When they faced Mark Andrews, they never went to to Devondre Campbell. They'd rather um, go to Kevin King, right? I mean, and honestly, like that might be kevin king's useful role and i don't like like i'm you know if anyone follows me on twitter you know i'm not a kevin king guy i pilloried him being um re-signed but if kevin king is gonna have any value to this team it's gonna be effectively as you know what what in Petten's system was like that third safety 
or that Henry Black role where it's, okay, you're going to come in as a longer body to match up on, on tight ends when we go lighter with personnel. Now, the problem that presents is now Kevin King is in the box. And Kevin King and his bad shoulders and his questionable tackling now has to be not just like an alley defender, like a safety would be like, this guy has gap responsibilities now in the run game. And so I don't think green Bay is going to go that route, at least on, on, on early downs on third, if it's third and eight, you're not, you know, and they, if they it's third and eight and you go dime and they run for nine yards, I guess you live with that. You know, that's just going to be what it is, but that's my biggest concern for Green Bay is they don't have someone that can match up in this. Savage is too small, and his tackling is the problem. And Adrian Amos really is um, a free safety in this defense. You know, he plays he plays the the um, you know the deep half or or the deep third. He is not as involved in manning up on tight ends under Joe Barry as he would occasionally do um, under Mike Pettin. That'll be the million dollar question. So, you know, we, we don't have the answers for how Joe Barry's going to handle that. Right. So it'll be something, it'll be a nice little surprise. And if it works maybe, out, maybe Oren Burks gets a, gets a surprise cameo. Cause if anyone on the, on the defense has the size athleticism combo to do it, Oren Burks, like is the guy, former college safety, extreme athlete, but his use, you know, when he's been used at all has been as like a, a package blitzer and Oren Burks is tackling is also not great. great. Yeah. Man, except on special teams, fantastic yeah. special teams player. Him and the T Rex, Ty Summers. Uh, t- Ty Summers. Uh, again, another credit to the defensive staff. They've had some guys out there, Ty Summers, Jalen Smith, where they've pretty quickly realized this is not going to work. We just need to cut ties. I've seen too many organizations see a guy that's not panning out and just try and stick with it. So, you know, if you want a silver lining there, there we go. Uh, moving I forgot on. Jalen Smith was on the team this year until you brought it up. <laughs> Still wild to me that instead of Stefan Gilmore, they got Jalen Smith and Rasul Douglas. And one of those panned out really well. And that actually to, worked out better for them. Yeah, they don't have to pay a guy <laughs> so, long term. It's truly incredible. Now, what do you think about Rasul Douglas on Kittle if Jair's back? Now, that's, this is where it gets interesting because uh, it is a guy with some size, but and he can kind of tackle. Uh, it's just a weird mismatch to me. Yeah, this is, this is the weirdest one is what do you do? If Jair is healthy, how do you allocate? Because I think it's pretty obvious who your three corners on the field are going to be. Yeah. Like it's going to be Jair, Stokes, and, and Rasul. Like no one's like, hey, we definitely need Chandon Sullivan on the field over Eric Stokes or Rasul <laughs> Douglas. Like I think everyone understands that it needs to be those three. But the question is, is so Jair has played predominantly on the offense's right side basically his entire career. And, and Stokes has, since Jair's been hurt, played on that side and played extremely well, especially down yeah. the stretch. Um, and Rasul has been like a, if he had played the entire season, probably an all pro corner yeah. as a left corner. So the question becomes is, do you bump Rasul, who is a bigger player into the, the star or the, that, that slot role and have him work against, you know, big slot guys or tight ends, or do you bump Jair in there? Or do you put Jair back at, 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 you know, on the offense's right side and bump Stokes back to the left where he started. I don't know. Or do they just go matchup by matchup? Cause you could see, like you said, you know, Rasul's a bigger guy, a sturdy tackler, his um, desire to jump routes is less problematic when matched up on a tight end. You're not getting a lot of, a lot of sluggos from the Y position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think he doesn't have to rely mitigate. on Jesus in the post. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get a lot of double moves from the the tight end spot that you're going to have to worry about. So maybe, you know, if you want to just play the matchups, maybe Stokes goes to to right corner, Jair's at left corner, which is Jair on the offense's right and and Stokes on the offense's left, which is how they opened. um, Well, then opened the year that way. They started with Kevin King. But when Stokes was playing initially, how they had it lined up and Rasul goes to the, the slot for this specific game. And then if you get, you know, let's say the, the Cardinals or something, you know, in the NFC championship game or the, the Rams or whomever, you guys will know who advanced by the time you hear this, um, you, you switch it up. Yep. But honestly, from a straight matchup point, that's probably makes the most sense. Schematically, this is we're spending so much time on this because this is probably the most fascinating matchup the Packers have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see, and it does feel like if if you can bottle up Kittle and make him a non-factor, I feel confident enough in the run game and for Jimmy G to do something extremely stupid at least once, where the defense has you know a pretty good game. Um, but the real question is on the offensive line, right? You know, they have arguably probably the best left tackle in football this year in Trent Williams. Uh, but the interior of that offensive line, it, you know, isn't great. Brunskill specifically at right guard got eaten alive in the previous matchup. So did Alex Mack a few times against Kenny Clark. Um, what do you see out of this offensive line? And you know, can the Packers defensive line have like a, a, do they have a serious edge here outside of Trent? Yes. Um, I think that the left side of the Niners offensive line, especially with Trent Williams is, is fine. It's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, Alex Mack is getting close to social security age. Um, and you can definitely see it in, in his play. I mean, he's, he's not, um, not it was a phenomenal center at one point. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, age. people yeah. remember the Jeff Saturday uh, season in green Bay. Like it's not, it's not there, but like next year might be there. Like that's kind of where it's, it's just starting to trend. Um, but like you talked about the, the right guard spot is a glaring, <laughs> glaring weakness. I mean, this is just a guy who is frankly not big enough to play guard in the NFL. Um, and so this is, this is a matchup where, where Dean Lowry um, can really thrive. I mean, his Dean Lowry and people sometimes miss this because, you know, he plays a pretty unglamorous position doesn't get to show off his athleticism very often, but, but Dean's a phenomenal um, athlete. And so if he can just, you know, basically long arm a guy and just walk him right into the quarterback, these are matchups that he's going to thrive in. Um so, you know, people are talking about, oh, get Kenny Clark on him. I don't even think you need to do that. This is a Dean Lowry can eat him alive matchup like we saw in week three. And especially if, if Green Bay's edges, you know, if everyone comes back, you know, the fact that Whitney Merciless is even practicing is unfathomable considering guys the will tear their bicep in training camp <laughs> and miss the entire season. So the fact he's even cleared to practice is a miracle. But if they even have three of their four edge guys, you know, if Z can play, which it seems like he will i mean with a back thing by the time you get to contact practice you are effectively able to play yeah. like they're not going to expose you to contact practice and then you all of a sudden you just can't play like he should be able to give rotation snaps if he's a full participant in practice which we will find out this week so um, but i mean that should be a big win against the 49ers right side so Lancaster and Lowry, when I remember watching film in week three, did not have good games. You know, in fact, they were quite bad in that game. I think the difference here, Lowry is really coming to his own. It's, you know, honestly good for him, man. Like, you know, he's had those flashes before. Uh, it's been a very good year from him. The other guy that's now getting significant reps where I'm very interested to see is TJ Slade. 
Uh, you know, he may not be like the most explosive, flashy defensive lineman, but when you put him on the interior, he can get double Dean and hold his own. And I think that is one of those guys that can fill up rushing lanes. Uh, one of the things I notice a lot that he shows flashes with is when he is engaged one-on-one, he does a nice job of like, how do I describe this? Uh, just kind of like shedding the guy really quickly, you know, being able to keep him extended and then know which way to turn to, you know, wrap the ball carrier. Uh, someone that did not, I don't think he barely played if he did in week three. So another guy to keep an eye on. I mean, that was a spot early in the season where he was getting um, a couple of inactives. Yeah. He was getting a lot of, you know, two three snaps um he's a guy that i mean ever since he was even in high school guys were like hey this guy has a lot of athletic ability and a lot of skill and he doesn't know how to utilize it on the football field you know kind of a a day three version of rashawn gary who was a very similar situation now gary is an absolutely freakish uh, speed to power athlete slayton's not that type of athlete even at the even as a you know if you account for the fact he's a defensive tackle but you know something i'm curious about is if Green Bay ends up going to kind of that, that, that bare front where they go three guys inside the tackle um, in, in base looks kind of, if you've watched it, you know, you might see it as like a five, one, five. If they try and do that just to muck up the running game and free Devondre Campbell to basically just chase. Um, if they decide to go that route, instead of getting, putting Chris Barnes on the field, cause he's probably the worst guy in yeah. the Packers starting starting defense. Um, so if they just decide to go 5-1-5 and muck that up to get those interior defensive line guys who have been, you know, at least solid, you know, outside of Kenny, who's been obviously fantastic this year, and then Dean, who has had probably had the – he's really had the best season of his career. If they kind of rotate that third spot between Lancaster and, and Slayton, um, at least in, in early downs, you know, in heavier personnel. You know, it's not something you're going to go to. Yeah, you know, on third down, but early on. Yeah, uh, so then another, you know, just another guy to keep an eye on. Um, let's wrap up offense just talking about the wide receivers. Um, you know, really the three main guys to keep an eye on are Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and then lately Jawan Jennings is really, you know, starting to come along being a, you know, a guy they're going, calling upon on third down. Uh, question one, where would you rank Debo across all wide receivers in the league right now? Uh, and then two, you know, what do you think overall of just this wide receiver group? probably fourth fourth okay. mark like I, I mean i think the uh, fifth fifth i think the top four are pretty clear i think it's Devonte adams i think it's justin jefferson it's cooper cup and it's jamar chase i think those are the four best receivers in football i think debo's probably fifth but debo is such a weird one because he's you know like we talked about you know do you put him in the running back section because he is so effective in that yeah. role in a way that you know he's i mean he's a more efficient runner than every running back in the nfl including yeah. jonathan taylor like he's the best running back in the league and also a good wide receiver in a, so the receiver room in san francisco and we were talking about this in slack earlier today of you know who has the edge of wide receiver you know i think i think the packers do because Devonte's game is extremely scalable like no matter what Devonte adams can at least threaten a, a defense regardless of game state yeah with the way that they use Debo Samuel a lot of kind of the fun stuff requires San Francisco to still be very much in the game you know as far as with being within a score if San Francisco gets down a lot of their fun stuff with him just becomes less useful you know you're not going to run a time a waster of, yeah you're not going to run a lot of 12 personnel down 17 in the third <laughs> quarter yeah 
And so that's where they're able to get, you know, to bring defensive backs into the box. Um, you know, Brandon Ayuk, who early in the season, everyone um, hated Kyle Shanahan because he was murdering their fantasy teams. <laughs> um, he has, he has definitely come on um, as of late and looked and looked quite, quite good. Um, but I'm just less worried about teams wide receivers because the Packers have, which, which is actually really weird to say after basically um, the last decade, have a lot of corners that are quite good at, uh, at football, which wild. is different. Just it's wild. really weird to have. <laughs> I think it's been since, you know, the early 2010s when the Packers were deep at corner and had zero NFL safeties. Um, but now they've got a, you know, a solid secondary all around, but especially a corner with Jair back, um, especially, you know, you're going four deep with guys who you're like, you know, Chandon has some athletic limitations, but you're like, Hey, these are four legitimate NFL rotation corners. And three of them, I think you can comfortably say are like legitimately good to great players. Yeah. That helps a lot. Um, you know, let's take a quick little break. We'll get into the defense and, uh, go over our final predictions for the game. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Ryan, let's talk a little bit about this defense uh, this is definitely where the 49ers have kept themselves in the postseason, even won a playoff game at this point. You know, they have some all pros across the board. Um, obviously, we'll get into the secondary when they're question marks. Uh, but let's start with the defensive line and the edge. Uh, big question here is Nick Bosa. He did have a concussion on a really gross looking play on Sunday. Uh, with the short week, it does leave some question marks. Um, you know, with any concussion, you know, it, it's treated different every you know, by the player. So who knows, but let's assume he plays just for the sake of this argument. Um, does him on Bakhtiari worry you? No. There we go. <laughs> um, I watched um, now, now Bose is a phenomenal player. He's one of the best edge players in the league. Um, you know, when he's not dealing with nagging injuries, but the reason that Bosa on Bakhtiari doesn't worry me a lot is because if the Packers continue to operate their offense in the way that they have for much of the season, um, pass rushers aren't going to be a big factor in that. So Green Bay is remaining on or at least near on schedule. There's just frankly not a lot of time, especially for edge guys where pressure takes a little bit longer. You have to run a longer arc for them to really um, disrupt um, the Packers offense, you know, my biggest concern is that with Bakhtiari back, and we saw this a little in the Lions game. Now I checked the numbers and his time to throw was basically no different than it was for every other. That surprises me a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. two and a half seconds, which is in the ballpark of where he's been yeah. basically all season. But there were like a couple plays where Rogers was kind of feeling himself. Like it was, you know, 2014 or 2016 again, you know, where he was behind basically an offensive line full of all pros 
And he was just taking his time. And against Detroit, you can do that because they're just they're not a very talented, talented team. Um, and if you do that, you know, Bach is fantastic, but you know, eventually, you know, you're going to to give up pressure. And it's not just the Nick Bosa show. They have other other guys yeah. as well. Um, so my my biggest concern is less with like Bosa matched up on Bakhtiari, but more if San Francisco gets creative and wants to play games on the offensive line, especially on the right side, you know, even though Royce Newman appears to have been relegated to the bench, it's not like Lucas Patrick is great. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why Packers fans are pretending that a guy that got an extension for like a million dollars a year is, is good. He's just not as bad as Royce Newman. I mean, I've been big on the, okay, let's, you know, Dennis Kelly has been phenomenal at right tackle. Like he actually yeah, has been basically good. as good or even better than, than Turner was. And Turner was quite good at right tackle. Like let's just bump Billy Turner back to right guard for like three weeks. Now it's not going to mess up his contract extension negotiations to play right guard for three weeks and get the five best guys on the team on the field at the same time. So my biggest concern is them exploiting the fact that Lucas Patrick is like a little undersized. Yeah. His anchor is a little bit weak. And, the, and then the situation ends up with someone in Rogers lap. And you got a pressure on the edge. If you can step up, you can be okay. But when someone's in your lap, you're, you're just screwed at that point. Yeah. Like a big boy, like Eric Armstead on Lucas Patrick doesn't feel <laughs> great. Like that, that's something to keep an eye on. I will say that two things about that, you know, the too much time for Rogers. He was, he did say on record, like, I know I was taking too much time with the ball. So the self-awareness there is unheard of compared to previous Rogers seasons. Would argue it's unheard of with Rogers in general. <laughs> Very fair. That's totally valid. <laughs> and then the second one, the coaching staff is adamant the past week or so since Myers played, they want their best five out there. They have said that on record multiple times. That leads me to believe they're at least considering putting Turner at guard. That is, if I recall, that is how he started his Packers career, correct? At guard. Yeah, he came yeah. in. And the, fun, the one thing to note, though, is, and, and this might just be a development thing, but Billy Turner was much worse as a right guard yes. than he has been as a right tackle. Like He's he a good was, right tackle. The, it's the contract they gave him, which was a pretty, like, that's a starting offensive lineman contract that they gave him for a guy who was kind of a swingy offensive lineman before yep. he got to Green Bay. After year one, when he was playing right guard, that was a bad contract. Yeah. He was not a good right guard. He was routinely, um, I remember the first game when they played the, the Bears, I believe. Um, you know, the Bears ran some, a stunt game and he got his own ass fed to him through his mouth by Khalil Mack repeatedly on those games. And he's been very good at right tackle. Now, if that is the case, I'm not sure there's much difference between Billy and Lucas at right guard. Yeah. So but maybe I, Billy Turner's just gotten a lot better and he'd be fine at right guard. It's got well, in the air. I, I don't know that. The thing I the thing I've always seen with from Billy Turner, regardless of the position he's playing, is he's very good on these outside zone reach blocks. That's one of the play parts of his game where I really enjoy watching him. Uh, something that I would not mind seeing is you can have him at guard, you know, making some of those tougher blocks from the interior. Uh, but again, who knows? I think we're picking at straws at this point as far as the offensive line. Even if Patrick's at right guard, feel pretty good with the unit they have out there. You know, especially I, I need to say it because I say it every week now at this point. John Runyon has been probably one of the bigger surprises on the entire team that we're not talking enough about. The tape he's put on week after week keeps getting better, very quick in space, you know, can drive guys in run game. And I, he only allows, I think, a pressure a game in pass pro. So uh, 
the, the Ted Thompson idea of taking college offensive tackles who are athletic and moving them inside to guard is still a borderline undefeated way to go about creating a good offensive line. It's, it's been, it's worked out. Um, anyone else on the San Francisco defensive line we should talk about besides Bosa and Armstead. There's a couple other guys that are, you know, productive players. Yeah. I think the, the big thing, I mean, number one, Javon Kinlaw is not there, which I oh, think yeah. is a, a big loss um, for San Francisco. He was and trying D to be Ford their Buckner. He's not there correct? either. Oh, yeah, well, D4 is not there know. either. So the thing is like Eric Armstead is playing defensive end at this point. And in an ideal world, they want Armstead playing kind of like as an interior rusher in their pressure packages, which is something that, I mean, they can still bump him in whenever they want, but like those units get a lot less scary um, when there's not D Ford also being able to come in on the edge. Um, I think the big thing when it comes to San Francisco's front, that is the primary concern for me is not necessarily any of their players, but it's the way that Green Bay Green Bay's offense approaches this game. San Francisco has the second best rushing DVOA defensively and have the second best EPA per play rushing. I know Matt LaFleur loves to run the ball. This is not the game to be, be an ideologue and go lose the game because we'll get to their secondary. The Niners secondary is terrible. Their front four, even with all these injuries is still very good. Don't waste plays and put Rogers. Cause if you put Rogers in third and eight or third and nine, now that that clock that we talked about becomes a bigger problem because yep. you have to have longer developing routes. If we're living in second and three or third and two, because we're moving the ball a little bit more efficiently, not worried about the pass rush. This is where player autonomy. And I think the coaches listening to the players has actually helped quite a bit. One of the big things Devontae Adams said in a recent presser was like, we need to get better at closing teams out. And we've been adamant with Matt. Like we need to attack defenses when we have them on the ropes. We saw that in the Minnesota game where they just kept airing it out. Cause you know, clearly an exposed secondary. Um, this is something where I think the players are all bought in on that. And the coaches have also bought in on what the players are saying. Fingers crossed that stays after the bye week but that's the mentality you want. If you can get up a couple of scores in this game, I think with the way they're thinking about this, they can put it away early by not running the damn ball. That is. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you catch Jimmy G and he has to just play drop back quarterback for an entire half and you're putting, you know, two Gary sets of healthy edge rushers. Smiths, you're putting Gary, the Smiths and Kenny Clark or Dean Lowry in pressure packages for, you know, a quarter and a half. Jimmy G is, he's gonna, he's gonna, I mean, Jimmy G's made a glass. Jimmy G's probably going to end up in quite a bit of pain yeah. by the end of that landing on a, you know, they have the heater, but it's still a quite cold uh, turf environment to land on. That's what green Bay should try and do in this game. Now it's very much against their nature. They're a very slow team. They are a relatively balanced team, even though they do pass more than one would expect, given the fact that they're basically always winning. Um, but I think this is one where definitely you need to come out aggressive and going for the throat right away because if you get san francisco behind the eight ball you can you can kill the game let's talk about the linebackers now at this point uh, the only one i know enough about is fred warner right and the big news is that he's got a low ankle sprain um, he could not finish the Dallas game as much as he tried. They did not bring him back out there. Um, better than Tampa Bay though, as far as protecting your players. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's something to keep an eye on. I, you got to imagine he plays, it's not a high ankle. They'll tape that thing up. Um, I think we talked about it in Slack earlier. The big question, if he's not hundred percent is, you know, the play speed, cause that's really where he wins. 
Yeah, I think the I mean the whole thing with Fred Warner, who he's like a actually quite small linebacker. I mean, yeah. he is even by the modern context, he's quite small. Um, so he, like you said, he gets by almost entirely by being a, a plus athlete and being quite mobile. And that's actually, if you break down um, the 49ers defense, as far as what type of receivers they are successful against, it's basically only running backs and tight ends, which is basically what Fred Warner does. It's his, it's the stuff that's his job. Um, and so if he is 80%, I mean, it's still probably the strongest part of their pass defense, just given how um, poor the secondary is, which we'll get into. But, you know, that's not going to work for, for San Francisco. And also, I'm not sure that, like, that particular part matters all that much for Green Bay. Because who's Green Bay throwing to in for tight ends? I mean, Mercedes yeah. Lewis has been, like, super efficient, but he gets, you know, a two target passes. a game. Yeah. Maybe two targets a game. And, you know... I think throwing the Mercedes with Fred Warner on him would actually be quite funny because Mercedes would just pick him up and he would carry him for 30 yards because no, Mercedes no. is a massive human. And it's like, what are you going to, you, you drawn up plays for Josiah Deguara, like in the playoffs. Is that, is that your game plan? Like, no, he might, he'll run some of those like split actions when they run those play actions and he'll be the little dump off guy. But like, I don't need to see Josiah Deguara tight end slip screens. Like I don't need to watch that. And, and the running back game, so much of their, you know, stuff has come, you know, either off of screen plays, which they are really bad at, at timing up. It's something that's been a problem now all season or those kind of pony package RPOs, which are really more like bubble screens stuff, yeah. which isn't necessarily linebacker focused. It's, you know, are the, are the Packers, the wide receivers winning their blocks and getting the guy sprung into space. So, you know, the, the Niners linebacker core, their only real like impactful linebacker is dinged up at a bare minimum, you know, even if they tape the tape, the shit out of that, you know, okay, now he's less explosive because you're just not getting the flexibility. And so yeah. you're not getting the burst and that does not bode well for the second level of the Niners defense. Let's wrap things up with the positional previews was just with that secondary here are according to our lads, the theoretically the up-to-date starting corners and safeties. We got, uh, 2021 third round pick Ambry Thomas, uh, 800,000 year old Josh Norman, uh, Kwan Williams in the slot. Uh, Jaquas, is it Jaquiski or Jaquaski? Is it? I never know how to pronounce it. Tart. I think it's Jaquiski. No, now I'm now I'm second guessing because his his nickname on Twitter is Kwaski. So maybe it's Jaquaski. It's got to be Jaquaski. How would you get? It's it's an I. Yeah. How would you get your class? I remember I mean, watching this that's guy. That's his nickname, and that's going, probably how you, how you pronounce it. But I remember watching this guy in college, and I can't even tell you where he went to college. It's going to bother me. <laughs> Samford, not Stanford. He went to Samford. That's um, a big football worm brain. I remember this guy. I don't remember what the jersey said. Yeah, there we go. Yep. And then Jimmy Ward, he was once a player. Um, so as far as the biggest mismatch for the Packers, it is there. What was last year, the number one offense in the league, especially in the passing game, uh, and a two-time MVP, soon, or sorry, soon to be back-to-back MVP, um, going against uh, a bad secondary. Let's just be honest. Yeah, no, this is an objectively bad unit by basically every measure. Um, their, their pass defense overall is about league average, mostly because the front four is quite good, and so they're able to, to get a, a decent number of sacks and a lot of pressure. Um, if you actually measure, um, which I, I like football outsiders does it with DVOA. So the versus the other teams types of receivers, 
The only team worse against number ones is Jacksonville, who is not a real NFL team. Poverty franchise, according to Chris. Yeah, I mean, you know, poverty doesn't even begin to describe it. Um, and so, I mean, as far as the biggest mismatch goes, it's Devontae Adams is going to eat. And he's going to eat a lot. He's going to get a lot of targets in a lot of different ways. And he is, you know, if he doesn't end up with at least 150 yards in this game, the Packers probably are not moving the ball very well because like this is the mismatch that they need to exploit. Now they're also bad against, you know, wide receiver twos. They're 20th. They're bad against, you know, other receivers, you know, wide receiver threes and fours. So they're not good against anyone. But, you know, with the Packers, why bother messing around with the lower ends of the depth chart when you can get Devontae Adams the ball? And that will probably be enough to get you the game. This might be a thing where, like, Devontae has 18 targets and the next guy has, like, six. I wouldn't discount Lazard, to be fair. At least at least recently, it feels like he's finally hitting his stride, um, especially on contested catches, which has always needed to be his game for his size. I don't know, man. Four catches for 68 yards and a touchdown sounds just fine. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that every day. Yeah. Uh, He's just a fun story for me. I, you know, during my day job back in, oh my gosh, 2018, there's this girl I worked with, went to Iowa State, and she was the biggest Lazard fan before this guy ever went pro. Told me about him pretty much weekly. So now that he's on the Packers, she, every once in a while, she hit me up. just like, I told you about Lazard. And I was like, yeah, you called it. So it's a guy it's hard not to root for. yeah, we don't need to cover much more about the secondary. They're just going to eat and alive. Um, are Ward or Tart able to help and run support? I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, just just don't run the ball that much, and we don't have <laughs> to find the answer to that question. Like, I'm generally, you know, you know, your team should pass the ball probably more than they do. But like in this specific situation, like this is a good run defense. This is a bottom three secondary in the NFL don't waste downs that are incredibly precious on running the ball against a quality front when you could just throw the ball against a bad secondary. I already imagine given, you know, obviously the way the field works in Lambeau and the cold, I can already just imagine someone slipping on the San Francisco secondary and just leaving a guy wide open for a huge touchdown, just broken play. And get a Mercedes 75 yard touchdown on. Oh. <laughs> it might take Mercedes be... eight minutes to get downfield for the throw. But that's it's, why Bach is back. It's like all 11 defenders just slipping, trying to get him. Uh, man, <laughs> now that's a sight. Uh, all right. So what you're saying is I should put some money down on any time touchdown score. Mercedes Lewis. Got it. I'm going to do that. Oh, I, for the record, I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's wrap things up with predictions. Um, again, the more I've talked about this game, the more I look at matchups. The more I dive into this, the more confident I feel. The Packers are currently five and a half point favorites. Uh, what are you thinking? What do you think of final score? Yeah, I wish I was in the game plan meeting so I knew how often Green Bay was going to be running the ball. Um, now, Green Bay plays relatively slow. My dog is very agitated about something. Jimmy Garoppolo, um, probably. Yeah. It's like he, he keeps throwing over the middle. Um, No, Green Bay is going to play relatively slow. You know, we're always like, oh, Green Bay should play with tempo. Aaron Rodgers does not play fast. Where the clock's hitting double zero constantly. Um, So I don't think they're actually going to get enough possessions to really break like 35. So I'm going to go 31-20, I think will be the final with Green Bay moving on and hosting another playoff game. 
close enough to make you nervous, but not so close that you're like mad at the final score. I'm going to say 28, 17. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, I'm going to 35, 17. Let's what, what's going to happen is the, well, you are very confident in the red zone defense, which has not inspired much confidence this season. It's not the red zone defense as much as I'm just thinking, or sorry, Jimmy, the red zone offense, my bad, the red zone. Offense. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. They've been saving everything. We, I got to go for the gold zone. You know, is I love gold. We got to, we got to give, put some respect on the gold zone's name. Um, I think what's going to happen is the fifth touchdown I'm talking about is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo starting a drive, just throwing an absolute dumb duck to Rasul or Stokes. Let's get Stokes a pick six. How about that? That guy needs one. He was so close on uh, the Charles Woodson enshrinement game. So I got a bridge to sell you if you think yeah. Eric Stokes is catching a football. Yeah, he's going to, he's, he's, how many interceptions? Did he get one interception this year? Yeah, Maybe I think two. it was just the one. He's dropped, I think, like five. You know, I'm okay with the no ball skills if you cover like he does, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you would prefer, like, you would prefer, okay, maybe Trevon Diggs is a bad example because he's getting yeah. like an obscene amount of interceptions. Yeah. But like, you would prefer, let's use like uh, Demarius Randall as an example. Oh, man. Like, you would prefer Eric Stokes, which is like, you are covered and I don't know what to do when the ball is in the air, like my brain stops functioning yep. over like Demarius Randall, who you are probably open quite a bit, but when the ball is thrown to me, I will catch it. Yeah. Um, you'd prefer the coverage skills. Let's just please like someone hit this man, some fly balls or something so he can learn how to track. He, he's going to get one, man. Uh, I'm going to speak it into existence and you know, we will <laughs> talk about it in the slack when it happens. All right, Ryan cannot uh, thank you enough for doing this super late notice. Uh, Chris, if you're listening, get well soon, man. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on next week to celebrate a win. Uh, from that, uh, Ryan, do you want to send us off? Do you have an I love gold impression? I ask every desk if you can do it. I, I most definitely do not have an I love gold impression. But I love gold. Asking. There we go. All right. Appreciate it. Take Fantastic. care, guys. Fantastic.